Hey everyone, welcome to the Industry Show. I'm your host, Nitin Bajaj, and joining me today is Shramana Mitra. Shramana, welcome on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. It's our pleasure. So let's get started with who is Shramana? Well, um, a classical entrepreneur and, and a very rational one in that um, I have chosen to spend a large chunk of my life the last 10 years in, in entrepreneurship development work. I run today One Million by One Million, which is the first and only global virtual accelerator in the world with a mission to help a million entrepreneurs reach a million dollars and beyond in annual revenue. And that is a completely rational agenda to spend your life on. Well, I wouldn't call it irrational, but it is ambitious, right? That's, that's what a trillion dollars right there that uh, you're fueling. So kudos to you. And you've been on that mission for a while. So tell us a little more about 1 million by 1 million. You know, what yeah. is the size and scale of the operations and sure. how many entrepreneurs? So, you know, at the heart of the, the mission is um, my observation that over 99% of the entrepreneurs out there who seek financing are getting rejected. Mm -hmm. And most of these entrepreneurs operate with this premise that success is financing. And that is a myth that I wanted to take on because there are many more 5 million, 10 million, 20 million, $50 million ideas out there than billion dollar ideas. Mm -hmm. What investors are looking for, the you know, institutional investors, the angel VC community, what they're looking for is to go from zero to 100 million in five to seven years. That is hyper growth and hyper growth is not a natural state of business. So now given that uh, premise only like less than 1% of the pool of entrepreneurs out there qualify for venture funding and the rest basically gets ignored and 1 million by 1 million is the first really big effort to be inclusive and democratic about entrepreneurship in education, incubation and acceleration. Yeah. And, you know, to kind of go further into that, just because your business may not be fundable, doesn't mean it's not a valid business. That is correct. Customers, entrepreneurship equals customers, revenues and profits. Financing is optional, exit is optional. That's the mantra with which we do 1 million by 1 million. Great. So let's talk about, you know, what is the biggest challenge that you're facing right now as an entrepreneur yourself? Well, uh, you know, for me, this is a very, very difficult problem to solve at, at a worldwide scale. Mm -hmm. um, so we are, you know, we're chipping it away at it. And um, we have, today we have a community of over half a million people. It's, you know, we touch a lot of people through a lot of different touch points. Our largest touch point actually has been LinkedIn, mm -hmm. where we've had great success. Uh, LinkedIn named me as one of their top 10 influencers in 2015 when they first started um, publishing those lists. And that list was number one, Bill Gates, number two, Richard Branson, I was number 10. So since then, we've had you know, a lot of success in distributing our message to the LinkedIn population. And LinkedIn has introduced a lot of products which are helpful in, in distributing. Like you may 
be familiar with our bootstrapping newsletter mm -hmm. on LinkedIn that has something like 27,000 followers, subscribers already. Mm -hmm. so, so the message of bootstrapping is something that I have pushed and legitimized almost single-handedly actually. Um, so, so that's interesting that that part has scaled somewhat. I would say, you know, half a million is not a small number and getting to half a million was not a small effort. So um, that's, that's, a, that's a good validation. The other good validation is that we have built this business with no outside financing, 100% revenue finance. And uh, so that's, that part is interesting. Um, we've done uh, another product. So we started with two main products. There's a, we do a lot of stuff for free. We train people for free. We have free courses, free mentoring roundtables, et cetera, all of that you're familiar with. Uh, we have two paid products. One is one and by one in basic, which is our curriculum. And then one and by one in premium, which is a full digital acceleration program, virtual acceleration program that includes mentoring, that includes investor introductions and so forth. So the message of bootstrap first raise money later has become our investor introduction policy. So we have been able to you know, train a lot of entrepreneurs and get them to a point where they are already validated and then send them into our investor network. We work with over 300 investors on a regular basis. We have very good relationships and credibility with this population. So we, when we send them deals, we get a lot of responses. Like just, you know, this last month, we have a deal in financing I introduced the guy to 50 investors within 24 hours. We got back 25 responses, another 10 responses trickled in after that. These are incredible percentages. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody will introduce you to 50 investors and you can be assured that 35 people are not going to respond to you unless you have real relationships. So, so that all that is good, you know, there's good, good uh, reassuring and, um, and we want to do more of that. I think now that we have, you know, the first real challenge was legitimizing the bootstrapping message because bootstrapping was being ignored completely in the industry. So we did that. And now there is a large percentage of entrepreneurs who are legitimately and credibly confidently bootstrapping and understand the bootstrap first raise money later strategy to be a higher probability financing strategy than trying to go raise money without anything. So now actually we are very comfortable taking bootstrap businesses that have reached some level of validation and bringing them into our investor network. So I would say that is an evolution. Um, what else can I tell you? Ask me questions. I'm happy to answer. Sure. And, you know, I'll, I'll validate the, the fact that you have been the person to bring bootstrapping into this community where it has now become acceptable. And, and I, I personally think that should be the way, right? For, for an entrepreneur to launch. There are some things that cannot be bootstrapped, right? There, it's harder to, like if you're trying to build a very, really substantial chip, it's right. not easy to bootstrap that. Yeah. There are certain things that, we, that fall in the category of what we call fat startups. There's mm -hmm. a huge amount of technology development, the deep tech. Mm -hmm. uh, that's an area where it's not so easy to bootstrap. Although we have seen a lot of case studies, we do a lot of case studies that are successful instances of deep tech being bootstrapped using services. So we've, we've learned 
you know, a technique of deep tech bootstrapping by using services as well, but you can't do everything in that mode. Right. right. So you talked about the, you know, the big challenge. What is a big opportunity that you're looking at right now? Yeah. Um, you know, there is a very interesting trend that is absolutely front and center in my uh, vision at the moment which is the platform as a service trend. It's an emerging trend. Um, Salesforce.com started platform as a service mm -hmm. with their force.com platform. And, um, and I've built an incredibly interesting global platform on which a lot of uh, ISVs, entrepreneurs have built their products. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite examples is Viva. Um, and it's a multi-billion dollar company that was built on the Salesforce platform. And uh, Viva did their whole business for about $4 million. They raised more money, but they didn't really use that much money. The, it was a by and large a bootstrap company with a small amount of financing and they delivered $600 million worth of revenue and went public and, and has a tremendous market cap, et cetera. It's a great company. I know the CEO very well for a very long time. And um, this model of building a company on somebody else's platform is something that other companies are picking up right now. So you will see people doing API marketplaces. People are doing platforms on which mm -hmm. others are building stuff. So. This is a trend I'm very excited about, and I believe that if you know a large number of SaaS companies do platform as a service strategies, and um, each of those ecosystems prop up thousands of new startups, mm -hmm. I think this is going to be very exciting and and a lot easier to build uh, companies for the smaller entrepreneurs. So that's that that's right into your goal. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, you've helped a lot of entrepreneurs. Is there a success story that you would want to share with us? Well, the biggest uh, company that has come out of our platform is uh, Fresh Desk, which is yes. now Freshworks. Mm -hmm. and that company has raised close to half a billion dollars, I think, at this point, um, and is on track to go public soon. Uh, they're doing well over 200 million ARR, I think, at this point. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, is that our biggest success in the traditional sense? Yes, I think our biggest success, however, are, is legitimizing bootstrapping, is giving a voice to the smaller entrepreneurs mm -hmm. and legitimacy to the, that their success, their success at their scale is as important and as credible as the success of a Girish Matrubutam, who's building Fresh Desk uh, and Fresh Works. Yep, making bootstrapping a valid, acceptable option yes. is something that's it's definitely worth considering. Like you said, even if not all businesses, not all startups can bootstrap, but it is an option. You have to make the choice to say no to it. Yeah, and I think you will see if the past trend really shapes up the way I'm envisioning it. Um, I think this is going to be a, a bonanza for bootstrap companies. Mm -hmm. Let's switch gears a bit and talk about you as the person behind the persona. And the way we want to do this is to get five one-line life lessons from you. 
that have come to define you and you know shape your journey somewhat so take it away well um you know continuing on some of the things i've said already um to entrepreneurs my message is do not go to vcs as beggars go as kings hmm. so i really believe that the negotiating power should be in the hands of the entrepreneur and i've spent my life trying to give more negotiating leverage to the entrepreneur and uh, the way we do that is point number 2 which is bootstrap first raise money later the way you go to vcs as kings and get vcs to chase you as opposed to you chasing vcs is by having bootstrap validation and even traction so that's uh, those those are the first two points that i will make point number 3 and i believe this i live this in my life as well is excess is not a requirement for success hmm. so um i have not spent my life trying to become a billionaire um i you know there's one way of doing life where you try to make as much money as possible and then give away that money perhaps if you are a philanthropically minded person um i have chosen to do my philanthropy built into my career so i will never make as much money as a as somebody who's you know selling maybe a saas product that is going to be hundreds of millions of dollars mm-hmm. um in revenue and then billions in uh, market cap and uh, and that billions in personal wealth because that's not the path i've chosen mm-hmm. but in terms of creating value i think i will create more value than most mm-hmm. of those people so that's my excess is not a requirement for success and again corollary to that of a derivative philosophy is greed not being greedy is a competitive advantage um i love so that that's, that's one of my mantras and then the final thing that i would say is uh, is something that i've learned through life this has nothing to do with business but it's it's universally acceptable to all aspects of life business and personal is what i call dwc hmm. disengage without conflict hmm. there are lots of assholes out there there are lots of conflict situations that arise yeah and uh, and i had all my life i've had this tendency of getting drawn into conflicts because i have a strong opinion mm-hmm. uh a very strong opinions i have a big mouth and um and i am a forceful communicator as you know so i get into conflicts all the time and i'm really trying to control myself from wasting my energy on pointless conflicts so disengage without conflict it's a great philosophy i love it and you know that's such a valuable reminder and i love how you coined it and uh, yeah we we got to pick and choose our battles exactly and the battles we pick we fight with full energy but dissipating energy by fighting little you know side battles is not a good way to live life yeah it reminds me of a book uh, you know mark manson there is there's only so many f's we can give that's right uh, exactly Yeah I love these and you know you you put it very aptly it's not about these distinct lessons it's what ties together and builds the fabric of you yeah. these are personal and professional lessons that come to shape us and more so for entrepreneurs where 
the lives are not distinct in in several yeah. ways. Or and that's something that I have um, lived and I've kind of structured, engineered my life in a way so that I, it is a more balanced life in the sense that I have, I'm not a unidimensional person. I'm not this nerd who can sit and program for 24 hours. That's not who I am. Um, I have a deep interest in the arts. So one of the things COVID has actually done is um, opened up time Yes. to do some of that stuff more aggressively. So the last year has been one of my more, most prolific years of painting. Mm -hmm. uh, I've, I've uh, started publishing like this online art gallery. There's one on LinkedIn called Colors by Stromana Mitra and there's another on Facebook, same Colors by Stromana Mitra. You can check it out. It's basically, you know, I, I, I show my paintings like that and, and it's, a, it's been a nice way of connecting with people both connecting with people I know on a different plane, even my business contacts, you know, there are people I know through business who don't know me artistically, Correct. but it's, it's more personal, it's more human. Um, so I have a whole range of stuff like um, personal interests. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is literature and dance and, and music and poetry and so on and so forth and art. Um, and I've, I've vastly improved my French in the last year too. So I use Duolingo every day for an hour and, and I study religiously. So that's been fun. You know, th that thing has been on my list for a while. I studied French in school, but it's just been on my list since. So well, try Duolingo, it works. It yeah. does, it does. And I'm glad you shared, you know, the artistic side and how this extra time of you know not having the need to go someplace has yeah. helped us focus on what we really love and should be focusing on. So well, um, you know, I have in my life I've traveled extensively, and I, I'm not crazy about business travel. I don't like business travel. I love the fact that we are switching to Zoom for most of the business work, but I I do love pleasure travel, and yes. I've traveled extensively. So I can't say that I regret traveling, having traveled extensively, but, but, you know, at this point, stopping for a year or two, right. that extensive amount of travel and, and doing other things that require sitting in one place and, and doing them hasn't been a bad thing. So true. And I didn't think of travel in terms of, you know, pleasure. I thought of travel in more in terms of commuting, right? That's where. That's horrible. That's like soul sapping. That's the worst thing. Yes. So I love travel. In fact, I was out yesterday, uh, just stole some time to go to a national park and yeah. enjoy the nature. So, yeah, very thankful for, you know, what, what this opportunity has given us to focus on the right things. Mm -hmm. And as much as it's being called social distancing, I think it's physical distancing and it has socially connected us a lot more, right? People have got to see a different side of you and you know, I have got to see a different side of my friends and connected with them at a different level. And, and also I think uh, Nitin, it's um, kind of given you a sense of which relationships have the depth to yes. stay unencumbered or unhampered through all this. So true. If there are relationships that are getting, um, are not as good, Mm -hmm. because of the conditions that we're in right now, it makes you question were they good relationships to begin with and did they deserve the kind of energy and investment that you gave them? 
So it's uh, it's been a great prioritizing, if, uh, yes. you know, forcing function in that sense. So true. And you couldn't have said it better. I couldn't have said it better. And uh, Shamana, this has been an absolute pleasure to have you back on the show. We would Thank love you. to keep this conversation going and you know, continue to measure your success as you keep going and you know, building towards that trillion dollar economy. And uh, you know, thank you for taking the time and being with us today. Be well, Nitin, take care of yourselves, stay safe. Stay safe, everybody who listens. Thank you, bye. Thank you so much.